Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Ketner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. Hi. We are recording today's episode in the afternoon of Wednesday, the 21st of July. Um, I think we'll lead today's um, episode on the government borrowing figures that were released um, this morning. And there are quite lots of little sub um, themes to that, especially around inflation and future government borrowing um, and what might have to happen if um, we're not going to raise more more taxes to to pay for some of the spending we're committed to. Insolvency figures for June were out as well, I think, this week. So, again, we'd like to look at those and unpick some some trends. I think we've spotted um, some rises at the end of each quarter since December, and um, and that is continuing. And then, finally, our our other theme is just looking at some employment um, figures and and also slightly unpicking um, this kind of perfect storm that we have between the shortages of of labour in in sectors that we've talked about before, and also these pingdom, if we're if we're looking at that that phrase of shortages of staff coming to work, and the and the impact that is it's potentially going to have on on labour as well. So, Nick, should we start with um, these government borrowing figures? What are our headlines here? Well, we we certainly can. Um, the uh, good news is that the deficit fell to only 22.8 billion <clears throat> which makes it the second highest um june figure on record it's 5.5 billion lower than uh than june 2020 uh it's a bigger number than the consensus predictions but not by enough to really get right. the yeah. amount i mean the mm-hmm. the prediction was more like 24 but it's so it's only a billion out yeah what's a billion between friends um, yeah and um, uh, what is is perhaps slightly more worrying, if you believe in worrying about uh, government debt at these levels, is that uh, government debt is now up to two point two trillion, which mm. is the equivalent of ninety nine point seven percent of GDP. So we may click through the hundred percent next month. If we don't, it will be the month after. Mm-hmm. And that level was last seen in nineteen sixty one. Um, the uh, the positive thing here is higher tax receipts, um, which implies more economic activity. Yeah. So, which yeah. is to be expected, I suppose, in a way. You know, with the unlocking that's that's been yeah. happening yeah. over the past few months, you'd expect the there to be yeah. an uptick in um, in receipts. But but what I found interesting were buried away in the numbers. You really really always have to look a bit further down from the headline announcements. Is Firstly, that spending on the furlough scheme in June was higher than it was in May. Now, this is interesting because I think this ties into something you made, a point you made last week, which is about the fact that as we are, and again, as I mentioned in the introduction, that we're, we're starting to see not only a shortage of workers, but also workers being made to stay at home because they're told to, to isolate. And as we know, in certain certain industries, you can't open, for example, a restaurant if you don't have a the yeah. spread of staff that you need. Exactly. So that that potentially, and we know that we've had lunchtime closures of restaurants. So we're, we're expecting those hours to be um, to be on furlough that would otherwise have been worked. So we're kind of seeing that that knock on effect. You might reopen, but if you then can't get enough staff within a within a particular yeah. restaurant or whatever, um, you have to you have to close and put put on furlough. In, in, indeed. Um, the the other little 
uh, bit um, hidden away was that the cost of interest on government debt doubled in June. It doubled from 4.3 billion in May to 8.7 billion in June. And just out of interest, it was 2.7 billion in June 2020. And the reason for that is, of course, um, certain elements of government borrowing, the index linked gilts, are linked to the rate of RPI, not CPI, which is what goes into the general inflation numbers. This Mm -hmm. is RPI. And and, and on, on a a lagging three-month basis. Yeah. So the, um, and there just happened to be a surge in RPI in the period March to April 2021. So that's fed through. So if that was to continue, and who knows, um, then that would all by itself put the cost of the interest bill on government debt up by 50 billion in a full year. Wow. So, it, uh, you know, complicated uh, calculations, all sorts of underlying trends that may reverse themselves. But it's a real illustration of what we've been saying for a long time now on these podcasts, which is that that government finances are heavily influenced by inflation and exposed to inflation. And this is interesting as well, isn't it? Because the Bank of England, where Haldane has been the kind of lone voice worrying Mm. about inflation, he's now left um, the MPC and we're starting to hear some more voices. There seems to be a a slight crack in the consensus of the members that are are left. We've had two members, I think, come out this week saying actually they are also worried about inflation, indicating that they may votes in in Holden's way to kind of rein in the QE um, spend. But then we've got other voices saying, well, actually, you could do this too early. You could choke the economy off. And, yes. you know, you don't want to you don't want to act to, to kind of pull the plug of confidence and so on. So I think that will be interesting. I think they meet in August, don't they? Is the next, yes, they do. Um, is the next <laughs> meeting. So it'll be quite interesting to see how those dynamics have changed. Um, and I guess these numbers will be kind of top of the list of, of things that the, the, the MPC will be looking at. They will. Um, well. And of course, the, the release of these numbers prompted the um, <clears throat> uh, the IFS, <clears throat> as always, to come out and comment. And one of the things they picked up was that they reckon that the implication of the current government funding situation is that uh, the isolating Rishi <sighs> is going to need to cut between 14 billion and 17 billion a year from spending on public services unless he's going to raise, raise taxes, uh, tax, uh, taxes. Uh, and, and let's not get into the whole debate about raising last insurance to pay for social care ref- reform. That's for another time. Another of my hobby horses, <clears throat> quite separate to uh, to all of this. Um, so, you know, if, if, if you have risk in uh, industries where the government spends a lot of money on public services, then you might want to just be mindful that the spending might reduce and therefore yeah. that risk might become slightly more problematical. Talking of risk and um, problems crystallising, we had the insolvency figures out yes, for, yes, we, yeah, um, we did. for June. Released last Friday, um, corporate insolvencies were up 19% on May 2021 and 63% up on June twenty. 20. And the comment that's come out from the Insolvency Service and from the Insolvency Trade Body R3 was that this was driven by a rise in company voluntary um, liquidations. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, of course it is because there's you can't, no there's other, no other way, way of to get bust. <laughs> go bust, um, you know, because administrations will never fill that, that gap. Yeah. Um, and and what they're saying is they think it indicates that more directors are calling it a day, especially after the original Freedom Day was shifted from the middle of June to last Monday. Yeah. Um, I actually think there are two other trends going on here. Um, as Joe keeps pointing out to me when we talk about this, uh, we've had a surge in June in numbers of insolvencies. We had one in March. We had one in December. What's the common factor? Yeah. It's rent quarter rent day. Quarter day. Mm. Now, I, you know, everybody knows the landlords can't enforce, but maybe the thud of another rent demand onto the door, doormat is enough to make, a, make, make directors say, we ain't ever going to climb this mountain. Yeah. And especially, and, they, and I guess some businesses will have had a sense of what trading might be like. Um, for this period yeah. and just thinking, well, you know, are we ever really going to be able to um, to, to service this this um, arrears that we've got outstanding? That's right. And, and of course, the other thing that's going on is what, you know, what happened in May this year, the first repayment yeah. demands from banks on bounce back loans and C-bills started. So again, that may have been a prompt to some directors to say, you know, oh dear, we really are going to have to repay yeah. this, this debt and we aren't going to be able to. And of course, you know, I think you, you mentioned the um, exchange you were involved with with the um, business minister about, you know, there is a help to grow scheme and we can extend the, the terms of these um, these loans out, so I think 10 years. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, where is the money going to come from? It's still a debt that's got to be repaid. And if you're really just servicing your debt, we're getting to this zombie, um, this zombie world of companies that don't really do anything other than, Pay yep. their pay their operating costs and their debt. You know that's not a very that's right. um, attractive that's right. proposition. Not, not every business owner wants to be Sisyphus pushing that rock up the hill. I'm afraid. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and and funnily enough, actually seeing those June figures, um, they came in, uh, they came across my <clears throat> my consciousness at the same time that my um, friends at, uh, at my insolvency um, firm started talking to me about the possibility should I would I like to think about writing a blog about what's happening in the construction sector because suddenly they are awash with not just directors of construction companies coming to them to advice for advice but but directors actually saying the game is up it's over <clears throat> and what it looks like is that the lid is coming off the financial pressure cooker in the construction supply chain now, all of the instances that um, uh, I'm hearing about are somewhere in the supply chain. They're not main contractors. Right, okay. They are subbies, of, subbies or specialist trades of one sort or another. And, uh, you know, what, what I'm hearing is everything from, you know, we quoted on a fixed price contract and the price of timber has gone up yeah. 70%. And, uh, you know, I, we're being brutalised by the main contractor because we can't, um, we can't finish our part of the project because we can't get the materials. And by the way, we can't get any labour. And that mm. was before the pandemic, before the pandemic. And by the way, even when we order it, there's no there's no HGV driver to deliver the stuff to the site. Um, <clears throat> the other thing and it I is a kind of canary in the coal mine type industry, is. isn't it? Um, construction. It, I mean, the, you pointed this out. This is something you're quite remind me of the figures, the percentage of GDP, six yes, percent. I mean, uh, construction has six percent of GDP and 18 to 19 percent of insolvencies. It, yeah. it just is the worst mismatch between activity and, and failure because because it's an industry that um, 
is addicted to wafer-thin profit margins, and it's generally undercapitalized. Of course it is, because if you don't make much profit, how do you borrow money and exactly. how do you, you build working capital resources? It's interesting. So one of my colleagues has written a little blog on um, a failure that was in the news last week or the week before, um, and just showing, like, I think we were looking at our COVID forecast um, to score to prove this point, really, that if you're operating on really thin margins, if anything happens, then you're super vulnerable to... Um, so the slightest win. So we'll um, post a link to um, to Cole's article on um, on that. On yes, that and I'm going to write a, a, a detailed um, uh, blog. Um, the, the other thing, just to flag up, is that there is a lot of anecdotal talk about seriously bad behaviour by main contractors to subcontractors, which are really? pushing some of them over the edge. Um, I'm waiting to have a, a an off the record discussion with with somebody uh, in the industry who promises to spill the beans probably on an, on an anonymous basis but that uh, I'll, I'll blog once i know a bit more mm, about interesting and, and obviously you'll, you know joe you're very welcome to to link to that when it sees the light of day thank you yeah always always interesting to have those those things um so that's that's um the construction the insolvency piece let's um just turn now to, to our last topic that we wanted to look at which was employment figures and um some redundancy notification um, data that you you found, Nick. Yes, the the and um, we have one other little topic about. SMEs. Oh, we did actually. Yeah, finance borrowing. Yeah, we'll okay. come back to that. Yeah, uh, come back to that. Um, yeah, the employment figures for May or the quarter to May 2021 were out um, on the 14th or the 15th, uh, so last week. Unemployment 4.8 percent. Uh, Obviously, doesn't include furloughed staff. Of course, no. it doesn't. And and just to put that in context, I mean that that's clearly infinitely better than the worst uh, predictions um, back in the dark days. Yeah, I mean, at some point that they were talking about seven percent, were they? 7%. Even I think um, with 7%. the furlough scheme. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it's up from three point nine percent pre-pandemic. The employment rate, and not the unemployment rate, the employment rate, is seventy four point eight percent. And that, again, is well below pre-pandemic levels, Mm -hmm. which um, in the last quarter before the pandemic, it was 76.6%. So it's significantly down. And the the number that I hadn't ever really focused on, but came out from a tweet by one of the BBC's correspondents, um, the hours worked in May were 981 million, and that is down 7% from pre-pandemic. Well, okay. Levels, which is all about the gig economy and the flexibility that employers have, and have had to have um, mm. to you know to to limit the amount of work that, uh, that 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 staff do. There were, I mean, in June, good figures um, on payroll um, numbers: three hundred and fifty-six thousand more people on payrolls than in May. Mm-hmm. But Although we again, think it's possibly IR35 still getting tracked onto payroll, possibly. Mm-hmm. Could be, but we're still 206,000 um, payrolled employees below pre pandemic levels. Yeah. Gosh, wouldn't it be nice one day not to be talking about pre pandemic right. levels? <laughs> I don't know what we'll talk about. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and there, and there were 862,000 registered vacancies at the end of. June, and uh, that is above pre-pandemic levels, which reflects what we know about yeah. labour shortages. Absolutely. Be it be it COVID um, caused or Brexit, Brexit. Induced, in, induced, and that, that of course in no way reflects anything to do with the pandemic. 
No, I mean, that's completely separate anyway. I, I suppose, I mean, I guess I was wondering, I, and I don't know whether we get any data on this really, but you wonder whether if 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 companies are trying to fill pandemic shortages by labour, you know, the agency type labour, yeah. does that push rates up? Presumably it does. So again, this is also so interconnected. Yeah. And but, pushing but, cra- but crazily, the insolvency service pumped out on the same day. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a system that um, hopefully none of our listeners has had to go through, um, which is the notification of planned redundancy. And this is if you're planning more than 20 redundancies? More than 20. So this is an HR1 form, which I've I've seen many of in my days as an insolvency practitioner, sadly. And and it's basically notifications of planned redundancies, um, 20 or more uh, uh, planned redundancies. And the number in June... It's the lowest since 2015. So just yeah. 15,661 planned redundancies. Mm-hmm. And that's um, a real shocker of a comparison. In June 2020, there were 10 times as many <sighs> planned redundancies. But that really was the bottom, the very, very bottom. And I think if I remember, I mean, my, my memory is a little bit hazy, but wasn't there some uncertainty about the furlough scheme at that point? Yeah, and there was, was, I think at the very last minute, it was extended but there was quite a long time where um, yeah. I think companies were needing to give this notification um, before they had confirmation that furlough would, um, would continue. Yeah. So, so, so in theory, those, that, 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 those numbers uh, don't appear to fit with the rise in corporate insolvencies in, in, in June. But, you know, it could be some of those insolvencies, the staff have already gone. Yes, possibly. Uh, you know, mm. Previously gone. So, who, um, who or small. I mean, again, the smaller, smaller companies, I guess, um, wouldn't mm. wouldn't necessarily be caught by the the twenty employees. Yeah, and and one last thing um, is, I wasn't aware of it, but the Bank of England tracks the um, loan defaults by SMEs. I didn't know. Now, this is fascinating figures. Absolutely, These are fascinating. Amazing. Figures. Now, in Q one twenty twenty one which I think for these purposes is ends in January 2021, yeah. 5.5% of all SMEs were already in arrears on loans or had defaulted. And this so is before, let's remember, any of our bounce back loans would have been due C-bills for repayment. or anything like mm. that. Um, the number is, as you would expect, particularly acute in hospitality, 11.8% wow. as early as January this wow. year were already had already defaulted or were uh, you know were, were in arrears. Uh, and again, just to put these figures in context, the five point five in January twenty twenty one compares to the the ambient level before the pandemic of three point six percent. So it's up by roughly half. Yeah. And um, we would expect. I mean, we'll we will track track this, this I think much more closely now we'd get hold of these figures and look and see what happens because we would expect that to 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 explode quite a lot well yes I mean I'll um I'll keep talking to my months. friend um the business minister about it after after I got extremely up his nose on a on a uh, on, on a twitter um, feed last night um, fair to say fair to say he didn't he didn't know when to stop trotting out government platitudes but eventually did because he sort of went very quiet Went to a different topic. Different topic. Oh, thank you very, very much as as ever, um, Nick. That was a, a really interesting um, overview of what's what's been happening in the last week. We will be back again next week with some more um, figures to update. It won't be the MPC quite, I don't think. So we'll, um, I'm sure we'll be, have lots of other um, topics to talk about though. Anyway, until next next time, thanks very much, Nick. And thanks everyone Pleasure. for listening. Bye-bye.